Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light, and do not come to the light, so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Debbie Peterson and those who work with her do a wonderful job with our confirmation class every year. Gradually, our confirmation experience has expanded to a whole year. They begin late in the summer. First, a four-month review of everything they've learned so far about what it means to be a Christian. Most of them have been baptized right here at this altar when they were babies. Most of them received third-grader Bibles right here at this altar. And now in sixth grade, they're being asked to review what they've learned so far about what it means to believe in God and to be a follower of God's Son, Jesus Christ. One of the big events in the fall is a retreat to Camp Egan. At the end of that weekend of retreat, they are given three by five cards. They may write any question they still have, and I will answer that question for them. Debbie Peterson passes those cards along to me. There are no names on them at all, and I arrange them in the order I would like to deal with them, but that Sunday night I show up and I answer every question. I usually begin with the personal ones. Someone always wants to know, what made you decide to be a preacher? How long does it take to be a preacher? How much money do preachers make? How long have you been the preacher at Boston Avenue? One even wrote a few years ago, What is a muson? And then they get to other questions about God, about Jesus. Some want to know more about the Holy Spirit. What about heaven? What about hell? What about evolution? Last year I had a question that I don't remember having before. Simple, to the point. In the whole Bible, what is your favorite verse? That Sunday afternoon as I was going over the questions before driving back to the church to answer them, I thought of five or six really great verses, you know. But they didn't ask for five or six. The person asked for one. And finally I decided it was the one so beautifully sung by the choir a moment ago. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If I could pick one, maybe that would be it. Let's take a look at what John has written for us today. I've underlined four things. I want to start near the end of the reading where it says that people loved darkness better than light. I think what causes people to love darkness better than light is that they rarely define what they love as darkness. They rarely define what they love as darkness. They have all kinds of things they want to do, and they certainly don't seem dark to them at the time. But in fact, as John understands the difference between darkness and light, yeah, they're preferring darkness for sure. 
the last couple of months we've had a number of award ceremonies dealing with movies this past year uh, we had the Golden Globes we had the People's Choice we had the Academy Awards so a lot of people have been writing about the movies of 2009 six days a week I read the Wall Street Journal seven days a week I read the Tulsa World every week I read Newsweek Time Magazine and The New Yorker. Uh, every other week I read Christian Century Magazine. It's interesting to me to see how these various people have seen some of the big movies of last year and some that you may not have heard about. First one I want to mention is The Prophet. The Prophet, you can imagine why that title would get my attention. As I read the reviews of The Prophet, I discovered that this movie was made in France. It is about a young man, 19 years old, named Malik, who's been sentenced to six years in prison. There's a real question whether he's guilty or not, but he has no one to stand up for him. You discover he has no mother, he has no father, he has no family. He doesn't understand a word of French. He is sentenced to a French prison, a prison that's being controlled by the mafia from the island of Corsica. The Corsicans are running this prison, and life is made miserable for this young man. The director wants you to know right off that if you have no mother, no father, and you cannot understand a word that's being spoken, you're in a lot of trouble. When this young man is made to strip, you see all the scars on his back, and you realize that in fact, since he was a small child, one person after another, one group after another, have all abused him. He's had a miserable, horrible life. But one reviewer pointed out that there is a biblical expression used in this movie when the young man has been in the hole for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights, Moses was up on the mountain struggling with God while God carved into stone the Ten Commandments and sent Moses back down the hill. Forty days and forty nights, Jesus was in the desert, struggling with the tempter, the liar, it literally says in Greek, struggling with the liar about what direction his ministry would take now that he had been baptized in the Jordan by his cousin John. Forty days and forty nights. And this particular reviewer then said, it is not clear that this young man is dying for anyone else's sins, but he certainly is being punished as a consequence of the sins of others. Through all of humankind, our history together, we've all paid the consequences of our sins and the sins of others because through all these centuries there have been people who loved darkness more than light. Number two. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Hmm, you need to know that story if you're going to understand the significance of John's statement here. You have to go back in the Torah to the scroll of Numbers. And in that scroll you find that once again the Israelites are complaining They've been slaves for 400 years. God has sent Moses down to Egypt, where once he had lived in the palace of the Pharaoh. And God has visited plague upon plague upon the Egyptians, ten of them in all, as you recall, before Pharaoh finally says, Go! Get out! 
And then, of course, he discovered he didn't want to lose all that slave labor and tried to chase them down. The waters of the Sea of Reeds spilled over onto the Egyptians, and they were killed, and the Israelites escaped. You remember. But now they're out in the desert, and they're whining and complaining. Oh, it was so much better in Egypt. So much better. Those of you who heard all four of Rabbi Zimmerman's presentations recall that in his talking about plague upon plague being visited upon the Egyptians by the power of God until finally Pharaoh would say, go, take your people and go, that it was much easier to get the people out of Egypt than to get Egypt out of the people. Are we saying that? So they're whining and complaining again. Oh, it was so much better in Egypt. Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? And Moses tells God what the people are saying. And suddenly in the desert there are snakes everywhere. And snakes are biting the Israelites and they're starting to die. So they rush to Moses and say, Please, please tell God to get rid of all these snakes. And God says to Moses, Make one snake out of bronze and put it on a standard, a pole, and hold it up. And those who believe that I want to save them and that I can save them will be saved. That's what the story of Numbers is about. Lifting up the serpent in the wilderness. That those who believe I care that I can do something about their situation, that I'm willing to do something about their situation, I will. I will. Last week's Newsweek magazine gave its whole cover to a big picture of Tom Hanks. There he was, close up. I mean, from border to border on the front cover, Tom Hanks. And the article inside was saying that Tom Hanks is helping more people of today's generation understand the sacrifices of World War II than maybe anybody else. And Tom Hanks said it all happened when he was the star in a movie called Saving Private Ryan. That after that movie came out and was as successful and well-received, that World War II veterans started writing to him. If he went out to eat with his wife, they would come over to him, not to get an autograph, but to say, thank you for telling our story. Thank you for helping tell our story. Thank you for telling people how bad it was on Omaha Beach that day when we landed. And so he talked to Steven Spielberg, who had made Saving Private Run, and together they produced this big, long series called A Band of Brothers. To tell the story of Easy Company, a true story, taking the lives of real people and helping you follow one group of Army soldiers all the way through World War II. It was well received. I didn't see it when it, when it was on HBO, but I saw it later when it was on one of the other channels. So, Tom Hanks said, all those who fought in the Pacific said, what about us? It was worse in the Pacific than it was in Europe. Believe me, it was worse in the Pacific. And so he and Steven Spielberg started wa working on those stories. And now they have a new eight-part, a ten-part series, sorry, on HBO called The Pacific. It's about the United States Marines. And in these ten long episodes, it basically deals with four great battles. Guadalcanal, Iwo Jima, Okinawa, 
Peleliu Island. Long sequences. Three primary heroes. Real men. Very real men. Whose stories they track down. Three U.S. Marines follows them through. One reviewer said one of them is just a doer. From a big Italian-American family, he just did what he was sent to do, was awarded the Medal of Honor for his heroic action on Guadalcanal. He died on Iwo Jima. One is the feeler, they said, the, the emotional one, who has to gear himself up before every battle to believe that what he's doing is the right thing, that our cause is just. Surely our cause is just. We've got to do this because our cause is just. And the third was, is an intellectual, according to one reviewer. The third principal character that you see. Real people now reenacted all these years later. This one is the intellectual, the thinker, the thinker, the thinker. Everything has to be very rational and clearly thought out. But I was interested in one reviewer who said that her favorite scene in the whole movie, this whole series, was when the Marines had finally finished slogging through the mud and blood of one of those islands and finally climbed back out of the jungles into the ocean. And they stripped off all their clothes and washed weeks of mud and blood away. And when they came out of the ocean, their bodies glistened in the sunshine. You needed a big bass voice to sing, Come to the waters, come to the waters, Lord, to wash away the mud and the blood and give new beginnings if the serpent be raised in the wilderness. Number three. Just as Moses lifted the serpent, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. This word lifted up in Greek is an interesting word. It's hypsu. And hypsu can mean both lifted up, but it can also mean exalted. Something lifted up and thereby exalted. And Dr. Gail O'Day in her commentary on this passage says, that's what's being said here. That's what John sees. That God's love is going to be revealed better than ever before, more clearly than ever before, the people who are really hungry to see and understand will see God's love exalted. And it will be exalted as this torn, broken body of our Lord Jesus is raised against the sky just outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. God's love never made so clear, so real before never again as it was in that event another movie written a lot a lot about not seen by very many people comes out of South Korea simply called Mother it's a woman's story begins with a woman dancing alone in a field dancing alone in a field she's middle aged maybe a little beyond. She has a son who's 27 years old. He is not mentally as sharp as he could have been. 
His whole life has been limited. There's so much that he cannot do. One day he was just walking down a street there in South Korea and he saw a young woman who was beautiful. He was fascinated by her beauty and followed along. Someone saw that part. They didn't see what happened after that. But the young woman ended up dead. And he's been arrested and is being tried for killing her. Though there's no direct evidence linking him to the killing except this witness who saw him following her down the street. That's all. And so this past middle-aged mother who has no particular skills at all is out trying to find the real killer. A mother who knows this son of hers is going to be the scapegoat if she doesn't find the real killer. So she's frantically looking. When she's not looking for the killer, she has been an acupuncturist. I don't know much about acupuncture, but I know you're supposed to be able, if it's real, that you can put pins in certain parts of the body which trigger other responses in other parts of the body. And one again reviewer, a woman reviewer, said of this movie, the line I liked better than any other was when the mother said, there is a meridian point that loosens all the knots in your heart. There is a meridian point which when touched loosens all the knots in your heart. That's what John understood God to have been doing when he offered up his son and we humans killed him. Peter said at Pentecost, he was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You killed him. You killed him, he said. But that lifting up, that exalting God's love so that anyone, everyone could see, understand, this is for you, this is for you, this is for all. God loved so much. Let's be done with things of darkness. Let's be done with killings. Let's be done with sacrificing. Let's be done with war. Let's be done with crucifixions. Let God's love wash us all. Let us begin again. Let's go in right directions. Number four. But those whose deeds are true come to the light. This drawing of the light. In John's Gospel, everything becomes one or the other. It's dark or it's light. Nicodemus had come in the dark, chapter 3, that precipitated this whole discussion, conversation. He came in the dark. Would Nicodemus move to the light? The true light had come into the world. John's already told you in the Gospel, and darkness could never, ever put it out. Once Jesus was raised against that sky of Jerusalem, you're either a believer or an unbeliever. You are still moving toward death or you are now moving toward life, life abundant, life everlasting. Which are you? At the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, there is an exhibition right now of the film work of a young director from China, communist China, his name is Jia Jingke. 
the communist watched him carefully all of his career he's been arrested and interrogated some have said to him why don't you just come to America or Western Europe to do your work and he said I believe art is the key art is the key in China it's the artists who are going to have to help the people see that they do not have to live forever under communism they are, are enough of them and they are strong enough they could change their country if enough of them ever ever understand what the possibilities are so he keeps making movies and now they've been gathered and he was allowed to come to New York City for the beginning of the exhibition he's made full-length films but he's made one that's just six minutes long six minutes six minutes is a long time if no one's saying anything and in this brief six-minute movie it opens with a sack tied and something moving around inside it bulges at one place then another and another a sack with something inside they asked Jia he said he actually filmed this at a pet store in South Korea there are a litter of little puppies in the sack you don't know that at first just a litter of little puppies in the sack it takes six minutes for one of them to chew a hole and poke out his head and Gia said you have to hope that in every litter there's at least one who's so sick of the dark it will find its way to the light Amen